Hey everybody, so for today's episode, I interviewed a really good friend of mine, Colin. Colin, well, let me give you a rundown about him. He met his twin brother for the first time in basic training for the army. Colin had joined to become an army ranger, and the next thing you know, he finds out that his twin brother dies in combat. Also, Colin's best friend dies in combat, and not to mention Colin was blown up by an IED, to include having been an Army Ranger sniper, as well as an Army EOD technician. Oh, and did I mention, by the way, that Colin's only 25 years old? Colin and I met training jiu-jitsu at 10th Planet through the Hurricane Hurt Locker, a group of veterans that are like-minded and still deal with issues related to transition and stuff we faced in the military. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I know I had a really good time hanging out with Colin, like I always do. So we started off with a little bit of his story, and then we talked a little bit about the veteran suicides. Uh, that is obviously a passion of Climb Force. We want to lower that number as much as possible. So this is Colin, and this is his story. I'll let him tell it. And this is the Climb Force Podcast. So you're a former Army Ranger. How long were you in for? Total, probably six years, 12 to 18. I got up beginning at 18. Okay. So... So you joined 2012? Yeah. I mean, why'd you join? Um, I don't know. My dad was always hard coming up. I was adopted when I was younger, and um, he just, I mean, his punishments were like, yeah, you know, I got the belt and whatever, but it was carrying rocks across the backyard and heavy wheelbarrows and shit like that. So, um, yeah, he was prior service, and then my, his dad, my grandpa, was in Vietnam, and then my great-grandpa was in World War II, and he was in a, was getting ready to go to Auschwitz. And so I got older. I knew I wanted to do it. I always said from a young age, that's what I was going to do. And he, my great-grandpa, was like, his wish was like, I want to see one more of you guys go another generation before I die. He was like 90-something, 92, I think. Real bad health. And uh, I was like, well, all right, I guess I'll go because it was only me and my cousin. And my cousin wanted to join the Navy. And he's got a crazy peanut allergy. Mm. which you know they don't give a shit so right right they're like if you you have it you're done like you wouldn't make it past maps and i had already kind of it was really weird you know because i didn't know what i wanted to do i knew i wanted to join and i always seen the movies of the seals and i was like oh that, that's cool and i like swimming growing up in southern california you know swimming a lot and you know and then out in north carolina swimming out there in the water california was a little colder but i just go out there and be a seal and then uh yeah, I went in the Navy, and I, you know, that's the first thing they have is a big thing with their their little poster and all that with all the seals on it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it looks cool. You know, they swim, whatever. And then uh, I just wanted something to challenge myself and uh, kind of push it to the next level. And then, I don't know, I went in, Navy guy wasn't there. So the next one was Air Force, and he's like, oh, we got the PJs, and they swim a lot. And I hadn't really heard of them, so I was like, oh, I don't want to commit to that. And I was like, oh, they're basically... From what he told me, he's like, oh, you're, you're just flight surgeons. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't want to be a doctor or a medic or anything like that. And uh, go to the next one, Marine Corps. Got a food allergy to crayons. Not, not hitting that one. And then uh, the, and they're out there doing pull-ups and PT in the parking lot. And I was just like, yeah, it's not, not my thing. And then uh, the Army guy was like just the quietest one sitting in the back. Like, I got to know the dude, probably one of the loudest, craziest, most obnoxious dudes I know. Uh, he was an artillery guy, so he was like, yeah, maybe you should, you should enlist in um, artillery. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. 
he's like, yeah, we shoot real big guns, and, you know, you get that hula hoo speech. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. And then I see there was two guys that come through the door, and one's, uh, I saw the Special Forces tab, but he wasn't wearing a green beret, so I think he made it through selection and Q course. And then, uh, I don't know what happened, if he didn't make it in, in ODA or whatever happened there. And then, uh, so I go, you know, I'm like talking to him and then the guy comes in I see the special forces guy had his Ranger tab. And then the other guy that came in, and I don't think he was a recruiter. I think he was just one of those, I think I think he was the hometown recruiter where you get like an extra week of leave or whatever after right. you enlist. And yeah. he was doing that whole thing and he had a scroll and then, you know, inside, neither one of them had their headgear on, so I didn't know what was what. And I'm like, what, well, you know, what's that? And then the guy goes, oh, that's a real ranger, and that's a wannabe ranger. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he's like, yeah, you know, that's something you want to do, you know, special operations. Uh, the guy with the scrolls, the one you want to be, they're tambourines. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, he's like, you never heard of the Army Rangers? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard of them, but I didn't know, you know, the tab and the scroll is 17. You don't know. It's like, so it's all the same and uh yeah so we started i started talking to the guy that had just went through rasp and he was in uh first bat and he was 68 whiskey medic and uh yeah he was you know i get the hoo hoo speech yeah you know we wake up we get ranger panties we wake up and run eight miles every day and it's the greatest thing you'll ever do we do log pt and i was like okay and uh the guy with his tabs like yeah well ranger school is way harder and it's like this whole who's harder who's tougher or who has the harder school and uh then the the guy with the scroll it's like some 18 year old kid is like yeah well i'm special operations and you're not <laughs> i was like right oh and so i started kind of talking to that guy a little bit and then uh yeah i went home and so i had had one of my best friends i played football with he's a drill sergeant now um, he had already signed up and, you know, his parents were all, and I think he was older than me anyways, because I think by the time we graduated, he would have been 18. So he got to do his thing. But our school, like, I'm sure a lot of high schools do that, where they have a program where you can do like an independent study thing where you finish school, like in the winter months, and then you go to basic and then you come back and you can walk with your class. And so that was kind of the route I took. They were like, oh yeah, you just, I was already like committed um, you know, I was in with my recruiter doing drug tests and PT every Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday. And, uh, and I was still playing football and whatever sports. It was like kind of mid year when I knew mid, it was like my junior year, mid year when I had started talking to them. And then after that, like I saw my recruiter all the time. I saw him on campus every day and I didn't see any of the other ones. It was always him. And, um, so yeah, my buddy Kyle's like, yeah, I already signed up infantry. It's going to be great. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I go down on my 17th birthday, which was in November of that year. And we go down there and it was just me and him. And I like was going to just do the whole sign up and tell my parents about it and ask for forgiveness later. And I knew my dad wouldn't care. It was more of my mom that I was like, uh oh. And then, yeah, I went down there and they're like, yeah, your, your parents got to sign, man. And I was like, oh all right, cool. And I was like, well, I already talked to Sergeant Davidson. I want to be, you know, this is what I want to do. I want the option 40 contract. Like they already, he was just like, oh, okay. So you've already been in here. I was like, yeah. And he goes, 
okay, cool. Um, Sergeant Davis is not in right now, but you got to come back with your parents anyway. Sergeant Davis will be back at this time. I'm like, what do you mean with my parents? And I was like, I've already told him I want to join. And he said I could and whatever. And they're like, yeah, but you're 17. Your parents got to sign. And I was like, uh, so then I go home and Kyle's like my best, best friend. So he, he walks in before I'm even in the house. He, mom, dad, uh, Colin's going to join the army. And my mom, what? And my dad's like, like looks over and he's like, are you? And I was like, yeah, I want to. And he's like, good. It'll make you a man. And I was like, all right, cool. And I get that whole speech from my dad. And then my mom's like, no, no, we're not doing this. So then we go in a little bit later, end of the year, my senior year, and my grandpa dies in January 2012, uh, January 6th, and... And he had wanted to see somebody join the military or join the army? No, this was my mom's dad. Oh, okay. My great-grandpa was still... He just died last December, or 2019. Um, so my grandpa my mom's dad, and that's who pretty much... I mean, I grew up with him all the time, like... My biological father used to beat the shit out of me all the time, and I was kind of scared of men, even though, like, my mom remarried, and I, I felt safe with him. I was just terrified of men for a long time. And your mom had kind of a rough go, too. Yeah, my mom did, yeah. She had my older brother. Um, he's four or five years old, I think he'd be 30 this year. Um, and then she was already living with my grandpa, and then, yeah, my biological father's a piece of shit. And then after that, it was... We were kind of past all that. Sure, stepdad comes in the picture. He was hard on you, but still, like... Well, he had been there from... I mean, from the time I was, like, nine months old. I think they got married when I was nine months old, so I was probably six months old. And he was was riding bulls at the time. And my mom's friend, it's funny, because my mom's friend was a Copenhagen girl. And uh, she was, I guess, giving my dad Copenhagen, whatever, and they were friends. Well, then my mom came over my dad and his best friend were out there riding bulls and he was like I'm gonna marry that girl and like I was nine months old and they were already married my mom had moved out of my grandpa's house moved in with him and then he took in so my, my older brother saw his his uh, dad most of the time that's where he grew up at and then me I was back and forth and then supported visits and all that because he was just a nutcase and then yeah. he finally uh, surrendered his rights when I was like five okay. and then or four somewhere around there and my adoption finalized when I was like I said four or five the whole process took me a year and then yeah that was that and um, yeah so we you know I go in go to the recruiter want the option 40 my mom's like no my dad's fucking 110% go forward grandpa dies and uh yeah, that shit hit me real hard because I spent, I mean, every weekend, every other weekend. I mean, I saw it, like, if I was out, out in spring break or summer vacation, I was always with him. And um, so, and he was a mechanic, and he got burned real bad at work, messed his foot up and all that, and just had a bunch of heart problems. And, I mean, he had numerous, like, a guy had probably had 15, 20 heart attacks. Wow. I mean, from, like, 1980 till the time he died. And, um, so yeah, he, he was a mechanic, got burned real bad. And then he opened a tool truck. He did, uh, just sold tools, drove around on a truck to dealerships and, and sold tools. And that was what he did. And I spent a lot of time doing that with him and, you know, learn how to fix cars and all that. And he was just like, he tried to go in the army, but they, his heart condition, he had like varicose veins or whatever, and they wouldn't take him. Um, 
he went in, I think he completed basic, and then they discharged him, like, because I know when he died, he got, like, you know, 21 gun salute or whatever, and, um, so, yeah, he, he died, and I was just, like, that was the first time I had really lost anybody, like, I lost a couple people, like, there was a guy from my dad's work, uh, you know, we used to go ride quads and stuff in the desert all the time, and that was, like, the year before, but it wasn't somebody that was, you know, like, he was a cool guy, nice guy, um, we'd go to their house, they had a pool party, he had, like, an indoor pool in his house, and, you know, he died, and, you know, I just, um, my godfather's, um, father-in-law died, and that was somebody, like, my dad, I think that was, like, one of two times I've ever seen my dad cry in my entire life, and, uh, so my dad was real close to him, um, but, you know, it was, again, I was so young, and it was whatever to me, you know, it was like, it was sad, and it was, you know, uh, but it's not like where I had the relationship with him that my dad did, or my godfather, or my godmother, right. or anybody like that, you know, it was her dad, so of course, you know, um, so yeah, my grandpa died, I was kind of like, oh shit, I didn't know, like, what to do, I was like, that was, that was my go-to person, I'd call him, and I'd like, uh-oh, I failed my grade, or my classes, like, my grades are bad, and my grandpa would get on me, or, like, my mom would always, you know, tell my grandpa, oh, he's doing this, this, and this, and, you know, he would, it's like I wouldn't get in trouble with him, but he would try to get through to me. So with him gone now, and you want to join the Army, and you need your parents to sign off, like, with him gone, did that really just push you into just being like, I don't care no matter what I'm going in? Like, how did you respond to that? No, it didn't, you know, so he died, and I was kind of like, this sucks. So I stopped going to school, like, I, you know, I was like, football season's already over, I don't need to be here, like, I don't have to have the attendance rate to show up to, or I'm not going to play. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, I just quit going, and then my grades were, like, terrible, and, like, all my teachers kind of started calling my mom and like we'll work with him but he has to come here and do his assignments it's the end of the year and then so I think my dad came home from work one day and like he told my my younger brother to go outside and go play and there's the three of us kind of sat down at the dinner table and um my dad was kind of like is this what you really want to do and I said yeah uh, I said you know, he's like, I think it's good for you. And my mom's like, no, he's, he's my baby, that whole thing. Um, and I'll never be able to live with myself if he gets killed at 17 because I signed. And my dad's like explaining like, yeah, he's got to go through basic training and this, that, and the other. And, you know, he's not going to just go in and go to Afghanistan tomorrow. <laughs> like, and she's like, still. And he's like, and I, and that's what I was kind of like, all right, dad's on my side. So I was like, well, I said, you can sign or I'm just going to go when I turn 18. And then my dad goes, well, you're not going to go at 18 if you don't pass your classes. So then, um, yeah, they would, they were going back and forth at it. And then finally my mom goes, okay, if you get your grades up and pass all your classes and you graduate on time with your class, I'll sign for you to go. And then my dad was like, already cool with it. Well, then I go and I get this infantry contract. So I guess, I don't know how the openings work. I, it's, I don't know. I'm sure it's the same thing with the Navy and you guys. It's the needs 
the needs of the army. So Always. it's like yeah. I go through option 40 and they're like, no, that's closed. And my parents already signed for me to go infantry. Well, then I'm in with my recruiter like right before I get a map to do my final swear in. And he goes, and I was like, whatever, infantry. Like I can just put a packet in and go later. That's what they'd all told me. So it's like, all right, I'll put a packet in and go. And then I go getting ready to leave for MEPS that second time. It was like a week before just going through over the final paperwork. And I was like, I want that option 40. And then they look again and there's like six slots. And like, do you want one? And I was like, yeah. So then I got to call my dad. They're like, yeah, we got to call one of your parents. And I was like, hey, don't call my mom. Call my dad. Because it's now it's that next level. Uh. You know, it's not regular entry. So they signed. My dad's like, yeah, I'm cool with it. Cool. We signed the contract. This is all because you're still under 18. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm done, graduate, finish all my work at least, um, leave, sign the contract, go to L.A. Um, There's probably six of us from my hometown that went, and we fly out. The next day we go to, we fly out of L.A., make a couple stops, and we get to Georgia. And it's, dude, it's like a thunderstorm cold as hell and we don't know where to go I'm like yeah you know there's people out there if you're for the army you guys go over here for the navy go over here and you know there's people holding signs and then a drill sergeant comes in and i'm like oh so it begins so we get down there gotta gotta get down to reception and um yeah you know they're going over tuck your shirt in contraband this contraband take your cell phone <laughs> All this isn't it kind of extra shitty? They do it at the airport. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, the, like the final safe haven before. Yeah, basic. It's, it's like you get there and they're like, "If you have this, this, or this, take it," because they give us you know the food vouchers or whatever. And it's like 150 bucks, some stupid. So like, I'm like, "Oh, cool! I'll get candy soda. <laughs> like, enjoy it." I just bought it in the airport when we landed. Now they're taking it, and it's like, "Don't worry, because if we catch it on the bus." Everyone of you is getting effed up, and we're like, all right, cool. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Now, you know, we're all getting it together. And so it's still, like, there's males, females. Like, it hasn't even been separated yet. So we get to reception, and they do it again. All right, if there's anything now, because that drill sergeant, like, he's long gone. Like, he, I guess he's on the next run back to the airport to tell us, all right, if you get any contraband, you know, now's your chance. This is your final chance. Don't let us get it caught in the barracks. Don't let us catch you with it anywhere. So then they pull up a slideshow, and it's like Copenhagen, soda, candy, energy drinks, whatever. Like, go put it over there. Now's your chance. They all walk out. And then after that, they come through. All right, everybody dump your shit. And, they, you know, of course, there's the ones. There's that always the ones. There's always the yep. ones that still did it anyways. You just got to fuck everyone else over. Yeah. And so it, I was like, well, this is going to be fun. So we're in front lean and rest <laughs> position. Like, nobody knows what that means. Like... So he gets down, you know, push-up position. And we're like, oh, okay, so push-up, front lean arrest. Okay, that's what that is. And then, yeah, go through basic and, well, you know, all the next Did you ways. go, is it RASP? Did you go to RASP from basic? No, so I went, well, essentially, yes. I went to That's what, ranger basic. selection? What does that stand for? Ranger Assessment Selection Program. Okay. So there's one and two, so. And that's uh, like a pre-screening for ranger school, right? Not necessarily. I mean, you can... Anybody can go in and get their tab. You can be a cook and have your tab. You can be a rigger and have your tab. Uh, Ranger school is just the school. Uh, to go special operations, you got to go through RASP. 
and then you're either deploying or you're getting your tab. You're getting sent to Ranger School. It's like one or the other. And so if you're already in the shoot for a deployment, then obviously your orders are coming for that. Uh, but if they're like, oh, okay, we just came back from a deployment, um, then you're going to Ranger School. And it depends, too, because, you know, one battalion's always in GRF. Which is what? Uh, Global Response Force. Okay. So anywhere in the hour or anywhere in the world, 18 hours or less. So that's where you have, like... So we get... When I, so when I went, we got two issues of everything. So we had stuff that we used stateside and then another order of, like, uniforms and IFAC and plates and all that, and it went in the Connex. And then so if we got that, that uh, Idri notice, then the Connex was ready. They forklifted them and put them on a C-17, and then all we had to do was show up. We didn't have to go find anything and pack it and in the middle of the night if we got that call and they would do e-trees all the time or e-draws they would do e-draws all the time what does that mean it's an emergency deployment readiness alert okay so they'll just randomly send out a mass text in the middle of the night or whenever they feel like they i mean you can get off work at 1700 and come back at yeah nine just ten whenever. eleven whenever they feel it. like it yeah, and then see how quickly we, we uh, respond to that. Okay. So how quick we show up in formation, ready to go, how quick our armors issue out weapons, nods, all that SI, how quick we can get there, be on a plane. So we do it a lot of times. Like, sometimes we knew it was coming. Like, we would go to, like, JRTC or NTC or any of that type of thing, and it would be like, all right, cool. And then we literally get on a plane, jump in, do our exercise, and then come back. But it's just like... We knew it was coming. It's like, hey, you guys are going to go to JRTC the next week, and we had to use that stuff to pack, so we kind of knew it was coming. But if it was like a real situation, they would just show up with you yeah. and yourself in uniform. And you're gone. Yeah, and usually they – it was really weird, though, because a lot of times, like, if you're drunk, they're not going to tell you to come in. You know, so it's like find a rider, just respond – Hey, I've been drinking, whatever, you know, so they know it's accountability is all they want is, you know. But if you're a GRF, you're not supposed to drink, and you're only supposed to go a certain certain mile, amount of miles away from base and whatever. So they have that whole, yeah, they do different things with it. But. So after, so you did RASP and then Ranger School, or... Yeah, so I went through basic and then airborne school and then RASP. And okay. the RASP was just, we didn't know. Was that two weeks? No, it's two months. Two months. Yeah, okay. they used to have, I, I think it was RIP, the Ranger Induction Program. And that was like three weeks. And it was pretty much so we do coal range. Mm -hmm. And that's a week. I, it depends on how long. I've heard some guys say that they only had it for like four or five days. And I've heard guys say up to ten uh, just for rip, when it was rip, no rasp. Oh rasp. Yeah. So they use, they think that's cold range, but that's how the old rip used to be from guys that I've heard that went through it. Um, you know, there's old like staff sergeants and whatnot battalion that had went through when it was rip in like the early two thousands, mid two thousands, and um, they say the whole time was just no sleep. Just constantly go, 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 yeah. go. It sounds like Sele from what it's like selection phase. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So okay. when you go to like SF selection, is kind of what I gathered from it, what it sounded like. They're constantly rucking and weapons and medical and land nav, and they're, but they're constantly for like three weeks just going. RASP is 60, 61 days, day zero graduation. And so you graduate and you have a tab now? 
No, you get the scroll. Okay, I can't. I can never. Get no, Yosh yeah. Right. Ranger school. Ranger school is the you tab. Say ranger school. Ranger like. And then I, rasp is yeah your scroll. Okay, so a lot of people can go to ranger school and get the tab like you were talking about, but ranger but rasp is a scroll. That's the actual selection like your special operations. Your special okay. Yeah, got the it. tab is just. Like I said, you could be a cook in 1st Infantry Division and have a tab. The okay. tab can go with you to any unit. Okay. Um, you could go to the 82nd and have a Ranger tab. Dude, so, as soon as we're done talking, I'll completely forget the distinctions. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to, like, ask you again. I'm like, wait, so you went to school? That's where you got so, to scroll? You're like, no, easiest way, scroll, tambore, <laughs> okay. special operations. Great. Okay, cool. Tab. Just a tab. Just a tab. You are your shit. PC or... I mean, I wouldn't say it doesn't mean shit, but... Well, okay, not... You're not special operations. Okay. You go to ranger school, you get kicked in the nuts. But but in battalion, to get promoted, you're ranger qualified. Okay. Is you know you're you're ranger qualified. Okay. Um, so I know like a lot of I don't know how any other I, I just know from being in the 82nd a lot of prestigious units like that the 173rd send right. a lot of guys to get their tab a lot sure. of their officers a lot of officers that much I did know yeah yeah officers go get that tab okay even I mean you could not even be infantry it's mostly a leadership deal yeah it's. Yeah, and it's you get ranger qualified, and a lot of those guys will go from like eighty okay. second, and they'll do their you know their time, and then they'll try to go, okay, and then go to go to regiment, and then there's the three battalion. Well, there's first, second, third battalion, and then there's uh, STB, and then there's the RTB. Um, which which one's seventy fifth? What is that? All of them. Oh, they're all. 75th. Oh no no no! So seventy fifth. Yeah, they're all within the seventy fifth. So you got one seven five, two seven five, three oh, seven five. Okay. Gotcha. The 75th is the regiment. Gotcha, gotcha. And then you have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And then there's the Special Troops Battalion, which is kind of like all the, you know, support mainly. Like, there's some support within the companies, but it's one just straight battalion that's mm-hmm. itself of all all that stuff. And then RTB is a Ranger Training Battalion, so if you're in RASP, and it's like the cadre. And gotcha. It's like our All those guys. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's... And were you a sniper too? Did you go to sniper school after that, or how did that? Come Sni- no, sniper school was at Bragg. Um, yeah, they just. I got so yeah. I went after the uh, regiment. Got sent to the eighty second, which was cool for me because it was that's where my great grandpa was in World War Two with the eighty second. Cool. Um, when it was the Army Air Corps way back when he yeah. went through jump school Before in like 44 yeah, yeah like, that became the Air Force didn't it the Army Air Corps yeah yeah okay it's a nice little piece of history and then my grandpa was in the Air Force but worked with a lot of paratroopers and then um, my dad was in the 82nd so for me that was it was like alright cool it's my great grandpa walked the same place as I did and you know you go over there and you yeah. see all the old barracks That's on, on Bragg yeah. by the Delta compound and it's like oh, okay and I'm sure I mean fuck I don't know Delta compound was probably not there then I have no idea I mean it, it might have <laughs> been a part I don't think Delta I that's one of those that yeah yeah sure who knows who knows who yeah. will ever know who will ever know um I mean the government finally you know we know they're real and they exist but I mean, exactly how long they've been around the, <laughs> yeah the they number change on names it. exactly they change yeah, they, names and they modify locations but they're one tier one damn, they're, one thing's for damn sure they're tier one and they have a budget like a it's insane oh I, absolutely yeah insane. I'm sure it's probably yeah. like Dev Grooves yeah That's I've talked crazy. to a lot of friends and that have, that have been there it's like dude like what do you want we'll give you five of them you know what kind of gun do you want come back in an hour 
yeah. the lift and come back and oh, they're yeah. ready. You want like, this? All right, cool. Woo! I'm like digging. I'm like begging and pleading to get an extra Leatherman because my other one's like broken in half because it got messed up by the sea and the surf doing over the beach. And uh-huh. it's like, yeah, we may get you one in like a month. They have like 20 of them top of the line. They're like, just here's some money. Just go buy whatever you want. Yeah. But I remember, you, I remember early on, like right after I met you and you sent me a picture of you holding a sniper rifle. Yeah, was that a what were you, what, what what gun was that that you're holding? Yeah, that was the uh, there's so there's part two I could have sent you. It's it was the XM twenty ten in okay. that one. Yeah, uh, bolt action seven six two. How old were you in that picture? I like nineteen. I was about to say. You yeah, were, I was you young, were very young. Yeah, and then we had it. Just kind of depends on where you go and like the budget. Like some had SR twenty five, some had the XM twenty tens, like. Some had the brand new XM twenty tens. Some had three three eight Lapuas. It just it all depends on where you go and the budget and yeah. you know how actively deployed they are and kind of what cool toys you get with that. So yeah, that was the XM twenty ten. So I went out there to Fort Bragg. Yeah, I was at Bragg with the eighty second, and we um, always out there. You're always in the field. You're always training you're always something out there mm-hmm. and so yeah we went out to the field and i was getting ready to go to the promotion board for e5 and that's another thing so in i don't know if i said that already in the 75th to get promoted to e5 you gotta have your tab okay and it's like not a requirement but you go stand in front of the star major and all the first arms on the board and you know they're gonna look at you and not have a tab and tell you i don't know come back again and six months yeah gotta get your tab like quit messing around yeah and it's like everybody knows that it's not official but it's right you're just not getting without your tab um we spoke right before you said a lot of your story we're gonna gleam over because you have to tell that story again to To the the VA VA. now this is like a perfect segue and the topic kind of for today is well the VA and then this like very uh complicated but an unfortunate scenario called veteran suicides and you, after you got out of the military, well, first of all, you have an alive day, right? So what is it, March 23rd, I believe? March 22nd. March 22nd <laughs> is your alive day. And I, I was very fortunate to be here and to celebrate that with you. And, I mean, a live day is not something specifically relegated to the military, but it is a day you celebrate that you should have died. Yeah, um, you could have been in a car accident or a motorcycle or yeah. some crazy freak accident where it's like, how did you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yours in a nutshell was you got hit by an IED. Complications from that took everything away from you. This is really important when it comes to dealing with the VA, dealing with civilian life. Now, when you talk about the word transition, your transition was one that was literally kicked off with a blast. Can you talk about that like a little bit? Yeah, like just my transition or? Yeah, just like, so you go what? To Germany, you get met go to yeah, Germany. I go to Longstool. And then, yeah, like it was, um, yeah, hey, we think you've had a concussion. And I'm like, this is like hours later. And I'm like, yeah, my ears are still ringing. Like my head was pounding. My light, like my eyes were just, I was, dude, I was, it was rough. And yeah, so they're like, yeah, we're going to send you, you know, Iraq, you can't just walk down the street to your you know, your local UC health. Right. So they're like, yeah, we're going to send you here tomorrow. We're going to, we're going to send you to Bagram and then, or Kandahar, wherever the hell. And I was like, all right, cool. And they're, you know, they've got 
it's a bigger air base out Afghanistan, so they're like, we're gonna, you know, there's a couple more wounded guys coming in. We're gonna send you guys all over there. Um, just rest. We'll come get you. Whatever. So then they've got medics in there, and then they looked, and there's like my, there was like fluid that just kept coming out of my ears, and they were like, oh, your, your. We found out later is my eardrums had ruptured. Yeah. And um, how far away were you from the blast? Oh, it was probably. 10, 15 meters tops. Holy shit. It was That's really, really close. That is very close. And Especially uh, depending on the size of, of course, the homemade explosive or whatever oh, it, was. it was. Yeah, they had it in the 1.55. Wow, okay. So for, so for anyone listening, that that is a huge round. Like, it's the size of, I don't know, like a small lamp, kind of. Yeah, uh, it's Maybe even a little bit bigger. Size, yeah. yeah. And it was uh, a, in a U.S. artillery shell, and they were telling us that whole time, like, be careful over here about throwing your trash out, because they have this thing... They make them where they'll put, it's like copper and tin foil and chlorine and some other shit in a water bottle or a Gatorade bottle. And, you know, like we'll be on a convoy and it's, all right, we're going to grab something and, you know, you're using it. Okay, well, cool. We'll grab a couple of water bottles. There's a whole bunch right here to piss in later. Right. And you pick it up and it fucking blows your hand off. Yep. So they're telling us like this whole time, be cautious of this, be cautious of this, call everything up that you see that, you know, you think, because it's real out here. It's, you know, they're getting creative with it. They're doing all sorts of crazy things with it. So we're like, all right, cool. And then, yeah, right, just getting nailed. So then I go, it happens, whatever. Like, right. hey, you're going to Bagram, Calf, wherever. And I'm like, all right, cool. Go there, and they're like, yeah, you've had a, a TBI. And I'm like, all right. And the only time I'd really heard of that was my dad had one like months prior to me even deploying and I said do you want me to go on this deployment or stay home and he I mean he was rough and they were like well you know he's like go finish what we started 18 years ago he's like whatever happens here like you're not gonna be able to do anything about it if anything does happen so don't hold back because of me so that was hard and then he he came out here and spent you know every last so I went home on leave with one of my buddies for like two weeks for deployment and then uh, he came back for like another week week and a half until I left and uh so that was cool. And then, yeah, get over there and get hit. I'm like, all right, go to go to Bath and or Kandahar. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I was out. I was in coma by that point. Right. So they're moving you around, getting you to the highest echelon of care possible. And that lands you eventually in Walter Reed? Yeah, so I was up for like 72 hours, and I'm like, hey, you're going to Germany. And I was like, all right, cool, hot nurses, yeah. ice, cream, <laughs> ice cream, candy, soda. <laughs> Just like, like the scene on Forrest Gump. No contraband around here. <laughs> like, see you boys in a month. Yeah. And then get there, and they're like, yeah, we're, uh, we don't know what to do. They start doing, you know, CT scans and monitoring my oxygen levels and all this. And then, yeah, eventually... They didn't want to fly me at that time right away just because they didn't know with the elevation in my head, even though the pressure... Pressure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were like, yeah, well, we're trying to figure something out. So I'm only there, I think, probably three weeks, a month. Mm-hmm. And they put me in, like, one other guy on an air ambulance straight from... Or no, I was on a C-17. They had me on, like, a stretcher, and it just hooked into the C-17, and they load that thing up. I mean, there's guys everywhere. There's, I mean, there's a couple guys that were burned pretty bad that were, you know. Right, yeah. You're seeing these guys scream the whole flight. Yeah. They kind of knock everybody out. Then we get to Andrews Air Force Base, and we're like, I'm like, I wake up, what the fuck is this? And it's like all these Air Force Ones. Like, I was always thought there was a one big one. Well, the one big one's there, and there's like one smaller. There's probably 15, 20 of these things across the whole, like, landing runway of 
And I'm sitting there like looking out the window. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, yeah, you're at Walter Reed now. And like, we just, we couldn't even see it. We didn't know we were there coming in and don't see anything. And then they this, co- must, this must have been a very confusing time. Like from blast to ship. Yeah, it was all seemed real quick. Like to Germany to Walter Reed. Like the whole deal must have been like just really kind of confusing as shit. Yeah, and there's a lot of just shit that I don't remember or I blank out. Right, right. It's like, well, you told me this, and I'm like, yeah, if I did, fuck, I don't remember. Like, yeah, right, right. I'm in and out and coma and whatever. So then we get there, and then they take us. They have like these school buses that are all like they had all the seats taken out, and they can hook our litters into those. And so yeah, they're they're moving everybody around, and getting everybody on the buses, and then we drive to Walter Reed. They took us somewhere else. There's like another little hospital that I don't know if it's little. It was nice as shit. They had wood floors. Nurses were nice. Real nice facility. It was a part of Walter Reed, but it wasn't the main hospital. And then after that, then they take us over to the main hospital. And yeah, that was kind of. They got me from. I don't even remember. I was probably there months. And then probably five, six, seven, eight months. I don't know the whole duration of it. Right. But then I came back and I got. They air ambulanced me. That's where they put me in the air ambulance, was from Walter Reed to uh, Colorado Springs Airport. And then they picked me up and we're driving back to Fort Carson. I go to Evans and they're kind of just watching and monitoring everything, trying to figure out what's next. Um, and then Craig Hospital up here, it's right here in Littleton, Craig, I guess Craig, but it's technically, it's right, there's a cemetery, you know where Danny Dietz is buried? The Fort Logan, I think it is. So right across from there is like uh, Craig Hospital. It's one of the best spinal cord injury and TBI clinics in the country. So then the Army's like, we're going to send you up here. So I have a driver, somebody that was on, like, rear detachment that's driving me around. And we're going, and I forgot some paperwork or something that they needed. So we're driving, get off the freeway, have a green arrow. We're already going, like, in the middle of the intersection. Drunk driver, blast through red light, boom. Right side of my head, cracks the passenger window. Wow. This is while you're getting... I was getting transported. Yeah, I was, like, a... And I was in, like, a Chevy 2500, 1500, whatever it was. Like, full-size truck. And, um, yeah, we are just getting ready to go because I forgot something. So we're going back to get it, get off the freeway, make a U-turn. Um, or not a U-turn, but we were going left to get back on 25 South. And, the, and it was an old lady, too. She was, like, 60-something. Blasted through at, like, 65 miles an hour and just smacked it. Hits the passenger side, obviously, because we're going left. She hits the passenger side. Uh, my head just... I didn't even see it coming. I just... Boom! My head cracks. Yeah. Like, cracks my neck right into the window. Cracks the whole uh, driver's side window. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, days, paramedics get there, whatever. So then they ended up taking me to... I don't remember what hospital. It was right there by uh, UCCS. And then... So again, we try this again, round round three. So then they get all my paperwork, and then we go up to to Craig, and I'm finally up there, and I'm like, oh yeah. And then of course they're looking at everything from the car accident, and they're like, now you have second impact syndrome on top of TBI, and this is, you know, this can be pretty bad for you. And I was like, yeah. 
So, yeah, we get up there, and then, yeah, that was that. That's where, you know, I thought I wasn't going to live a normal life. I was like, I'm, I'm fucking dumb now. Like, this is it. This is, like... I'm not, I don't remember people, I don't remember names, certain faces, like, I can't do simple math, I was like, oh, I'm had, fucking done. You had to relearn a lot, right? Oh, yeah, it was, I mean, physical therapy, speech therapy, walk, talk. How long? Dress, feed myself, I mean, this, I mean, from the minute it happened in 2017 to probably, like, 29, end of 2019, beginning of 2020. So for almost two years, you're doing all these therapies. Yeah, and it was like speech therapy. And it started like, they're like, you're never, you know, you're not going to work again. You're not going to do this. You're not going to go to the gym again. You're not going to. And it was like, oh, fuck. And then I started walking and I was like, and then I started running or jogging and then running and then going to the gym. And I wasn't lifting. All of it. I mean, while you're doing <laughs> that is fucking get juicy. Not getting right into CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> oh, well, whatever. So then I, you know, we get going and it's, all right, cool, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So then, but then it was like really bad because I'd, I'd get real frustrated with myself real quick when I couldn't do something right or I'd forget something. I'm like, fuck, I've been doing this for the past, been working on this, as, and, you know, like tying my shoes. Like I've been working on this and I can't get it right and I get frustrated. And I just went like, the the army had stopped paying everything because they only cover you for like, I think it was six months on TRICARE after. And so after you're out, yeah. So this while you're going through this stuff, you're getting processed out of the army. Yeah, I was out in 2018, like okay. January of 2018. So I used like all my leave to stretch out as long as I could. Yep. We had a first sergeant that was acting first sergeant that was he was an E7, uh, sergeant first class. He was getting investigated by CID for drugs and child pornography and all this other shit. And he was the one that was giving everybody that was coming back the boot, whether it was for medical or family reasons or. Whatever the reason was, he was trying to give everybody the boot. And he was just, I'm like, dude, you're under investigation right now for... And they couldn't kick him out because he was under investigation. So until they complete that investigation, he's, you know... And so he gives me all my papers, like... And I'm, like, in Craig. And he comes in in, like, August and is like, here's your papers. You're going to be out in two weeks. Good luck. And I was like... What Which is really abrupt. You hadn't been giving any updates about what's going on. No. So you kind of get screwed over on the way out. Yeah, nobody had been up there to, like, see me. Nobody had been, you know, and, like... Granted, most of the guys were over there still overseas. So it was like, I get that, but... But there's always... I still had a lot home. of friends that were still yeah. in Rear D that never came up to, like... They didn't think it was that bad or whatever it was. And so, yeah, nobody really came up there. And then he comes in one day and... And like starts yelling and shit, and I'm like, not in the mood yelling for shit. You. Yeah, and he's like, "Where have you been? You haven't been responding to your text to, for formation for accountability." No, no, no. He's had a TBI. And I'm like, dude, fuck you. You know where I'm at. I don't need. Well, I, I don't know that. I need make sure you didn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my driver's license is like revoked right now, so <laughs> uh, I've got a traumatic brain injury. So you have kind of somebody that's what you want me been driving me up here. That's so, ridiculous to me. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it was like, you can fucking eat a bag of dicks, bro. Like, yeah, for sure. Leave me alone. So that ends up, so that, unfortunately, I didn't know, I didn't realize that part, because I've talked to you before, and it's insane to see how people on their way out and how they get treated. Oh, yeah, it was it was bad. So then I, you know, so now I've got healthcare for another six-month, unlimited, TRICARE, whatever, and... 
Yeah, so then... Do you get medically retired? Is that what they yeah. call it? Okay, so, not so just that's ad, what they not did. Not just administratively separated. No, well, well so they, yeah, they gave me an honorable and whatever. Well, then I'm thinking, okay, cool, I'll be at 100% right away, start getting a check from the VA. Sure, but that didn't happen. No, 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 absolutely not. not. It was what, like the exact was opposite. Um, the exact opposite? You had nothing. Oh, dude, no, I had, I was like, shit, what am I going to do? I was homeless for a little bit, and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And you're you're 23 at the time? I was like 23 or 4. Yeah, dude, you, you were so young back then. Yeah, like, and I was like, what? what am I going to do? How am I? And I was like, shit. So I stopped going to treatment. Cause I'm like, the army's not going to pay for this bill. And I'm like, I can't afford this shit. Like I'm not, the, I don't even have a job right now. I just got kicked out abruptly. But I'm thinking, okay, yeah, cool. I'll have VA benefits and whatever. Like they, you know, they medically were like, Hey, you're done. So I had no say in the matter. It wasn't like, Hey, I want to get out or anything like that. So then I started going to the VA, trying to get this stuff as I'm using up my last six months of, of healthcare and I mean they don't particularly get things done it did quickly oh, oh no dude, I mean the bad. quickest I've had an appointment ever was maybe three or four months maybe and I was I was like there's no way this is actually how it goes that ends up being kind of the norm um a part of your story we won't go into but you were uh army ranger sniper and EOD so you weren't just like a shitbag gray man not applying yourself. No. Like, you, like, went from next to next to next. Like, you wanted to serve to I the just maximum had to ability. stay in shape. Yeah. I had to, you know... And it was weird. Like, I told you the way it all happened. Like, I didn't plan on... I told you I wanted to go to the Navy and... You wanted to be a SEAL. I wanted to be a frog, bro. <laughs> like, feeling froggy, just jump. Like, all right, cool. Good yeah. Luck. Dude, if that Navy recruiter had been there, do you think you'd be... I don't know if I'd have made it through Buds, man. I've been watching a lot of that. On TV. What have you been watching? You watching SEAL Team? Oh, uh, well, there's this, you know, there's two guys in particular about a, a, a 2011 raid. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I've been watching. About Bin Laden? Yeah, yeah. And it's. Rob O'Neill says his side. I'm like, yeah. I don't know the guy. I don't want to knock the guy. I don't want to, you know. Throw any shade. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's like he's out there, face out in public making money motivational speeches off of it just making tons and tons of money i'm sure um but then you get another individual that writes a book about it and he's just taking backlash from the government and it's like he hasn't said anything that rob o'neill hasn't said and it's like why isn't rob in the whole process of this yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's a whole different discussion. Sure, different. Well, well, and yeah, we'll definitely tap into that at, at some other time. But um, I've been watching just a lot of that <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, dude, I don't know if I could run out and the anniversary of the raid. Absolutely, yeah, the whole thing coming up. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's like I don't know if I can come up and fucking hit the surf like that. I'm like, you know, that running in the sand, like, you know, just getting smoked and the logs on the in the water getting hit with the surf, and I'm like. Yeah, I don't know if I would have made it through. I would have, I would have tried, but then uh, I've I've talked to a lot of guys that are like, dude, Ranger School is pretty hard. Rasp, Rasp. I mean, they're both brutal. They're their own separate animals. It's all, dude. I think it's all relative. You know, if I yeah. want to do, it just depends on what you want to do. Exactly. Then it's like you kind of just accept that this is the suck that I have coming, 
and you get into it and it's like, well, this really blows. I have nothing to compare it to. I didn't go to RASP. I didn't do 18 x-ray. I didn't do the Q course or any of that stuff. I can only say I've only been through this one thing and it sucked going through it. Oh, I'm sure. I think they yeah. all do to some I'm extent. They have to, of course. You and I mean, for you guys, your guys, you know, that's where I see like Green Berets too. Where I've talked to a lot of them where it's like, well, they've got it easy. I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's easy. Yeah. yeah. You know, SEALs, no easy day. But. No easy day. That's why they say that. But, um, like, well, the cool thing is, and like, an abrupt kind of tangent, but, like, you and I rolled recently, and you, after having gone through all the shit you went through, like, you're still able to pick back up on and retain stuff, but you still had to work to get it back there. You gave me a run for my money, you and you almost fucking got me a couple times. I think if I didn't have, if I didn't have 35 pounds on you, like, dude, you would have had me, like, too easy. Yeah. And I'm yeah, glad you filmed that, too. <laughs> I was real, dude, I was at, like, 180 pounds, just solid. Yeah, okay. I mean, it doesn't help running in a fucking 87-pound bomb suit, but yeah. That's right, yeah. I lost that weight because I wanted to just... I had stuck on the gym for a long time. I was doing a lot more cardio stuff. I was, like, swimming a lot, and I just... My knees and stuff now, just from jumping in there, just... My knees are rough. My back, all of it is just Static line jumps. Static, yeah. Yeah. It's just rough, man. So I was like, well... I'm going to start doing this and I started doing and I'm like yeah swimming makes you strong so I didn't think I'd lose too much weight but then I'm like when you go from bench pressing 365 pounds and squatting all the time to just swimming and you said cardio- bench press 365 oh yeah I was you shitting me you gotta be kidding me dude I'll have to show you I've never you. even had 315 dude I did so for my live day last year I hit uh, 225 for 22 reps you for gotta veteran be shitting suicide. me and it, it's, a, it's a stupid number it really is. 22 or 225 or 365? No, the, the 222 number. on veteran suicide, bro, it drives yeah, so, me nuts. So let's talk about that because I know you wanted to get to this, and I, I absolutely want to touch on your story too and, and strike a balance. So we talk about people's story, what you've been through. You're 25 years old. You've had an IED attack. You've had your twin brother killed. You've had your best friend die. You've had people commit suicide, friends and funerals and everything you've been through. Now you you're here. You're, you have a full-time job, you're married, you're maintaining, you know, doing the best you can regardless of everything you've been through and you see this stuff where people are ostensibly or really trying to support veterans. What is it about this show of force that isn't really backed by much? Like what is it, what is it about the 22 push-ups, the 22 sit-ups, whatever number? Yeah, just – I mean the number 22 in general. Okay, let's talk about so, that. 2011, the study did, or the VA did a study uh, that strongly cautioned against using that number. They said they came up with 22, um, but 22s. They they said in their study they didn't use large veteran states: California, Texas, Florida. So I mean, and Texas is huge in the, in the veteran community. So yes, 20, it's pretty big. Uh, yeah, yeah that's a big. Four states big. Yeah, so it's like 22 is already invalid. The number. But anyway, they do another study, I think it was in 2018, and it's, again, okay, the number's like one every 44 minutes. So, okay, every 44 minutes, okay, it's about, it ranges between 22 and 30, whatever, uh, you know, give or take on the day. So, then I'd like, then I started looking into this a lot more. I was like, tried out community college for a while, and I just, I got to pick my topic every time, and that was kind of one that was... It bothered me, and I was like, I don't know why it bothers me so much. And then I, I started kind of looking into it, and I'm like, it bothers me because I'm like, you know, you hear stuff all the time, like, oh, Army veteran or whatever. A veteran gets in a standoff with police and gets killed in the action or kills himself or 
Um, it's it's why is it happening? You know, it's I mean, is it something related to the military? So you you got to figure you got to start. So the your bottom question first. is why is it even twenty two? Well, yeah, why is it, I mean it's and they say sixty five percent of it's like Vietnam vets, which. I, but that's again, is it because they're not getting help from the VA and they're offing themselves? Is it because, you know, the VA pays their monthly checks and then they, they're, you know, back then it was a whole different military, you know, like, like a Brad, you know, there's a whole different, you don't complain. You just, you just fucking do it and drive on. And that's the whole mentality. World War II, my great grandpa, then the only reason he got us hundred percent cause he was a POW and he never said shit about it. He never talked about it until he was like 80 something. Right. So, you know, you've got that whole mentality back then so now guys are coming back all these years later agent orange and cancer and whatever else they're trying to get from the va that they're you know they caught in vietnam or knee issues or back surgeries whatever and they're putting claims in and then you know the VA, oh yeah just go into the computer and do this what fucking 80 year old man 90 year old man is you know gonna know to have a computer sitting around and know how to do all this stuff you know what I mean? So that that was the whole factor of it too. Is okay. So you telling them are they homeless and they're they can't do this, that, and the other. They can't afford their bills. They can't afford prescriptions anymore. So they're they're doing it. Um, You're saying this is all contributing to the suicide? Yeah, rate? it's it's. Yeah. Well, we have to find the cause. What is it? Did the guy get fired, laid off from his job? Was life stressful? Did he get divorced? Uh, did he loses house like what happened to even cause it like nonetheless nonetheless if it is 22 nonetheless it's it's 22 veterans it definitely outstrips the but is it something military related right well that's the question right because why is it it, you know such a high percentage of it being vietnam but you kind of got to wonder why are they doing all these years later Mm. you know they've kept it in this long so is it or what's the cause so then you know you got to figure that out you know where are these guys coming from first of all is it you know, Vietnam, post nine eleven, Korea, World War Two. So we've kind of got majority of it is Vietnam guys. But then it's you're doing twenty two push ups on Facebook, and it drives me nuts. Like you just see it, and people tag me in it, and it's tw- like twenty two push ups isn't doing shit for anybody. It's it's you know you're bringing light on the situation. Like there's already light on it. You're driving by a house and. I like you're driving down the street in this car accident. Hey, look, there's a car accident. What are you doing about it? Are you getting out to help? Or are you calling 911? Like, what are you doing to... It, yeah, it's like the people that have the stickers support our local police or, you know, thin... Yeah, like, we And maybe know. they do, but it's like, are you trying to get out of a ticket? Like, what's the... Is there an ulterior motive? Well, it's and like, we, we know they're better? under, you know, hard oh, scrutiny everywhere. It's, yeah. It's, you know, they're taking a lot... I mean, look at Boulder. Like, these guys are just... You get pulled over on a traffic stop and, you know... These guys are getting shot left and right, and it's like, why? Over a track, like the guy just killed the Texas state trooper. Right. Why? He shot, and like, so he this- knew the U.S. Marshals were coming to find him, so it's like, okay, cool, and then kills himself. What was the point? Right. You know? So it's, the thing with veterans is, why is it happening? Where are these guys coming from? 22, you're not doing anything by doing 22 push-ups. Like, what, you're not, it's not, and it's not like you're getting jacked and fucking swole doing 22 push-ups for a month. You know? You can, it's, it's, it, to me, it's really irrelevant. And it's, you're bringing light on it, and to me, I think it's a, it's a negative light. For the veteran community, I think we're a lot more than that. And so I think it's just... It's a negative light on the situation. Like, go to the VA and talk to 22 veterans 
for 22 minutes. If, if you know, fucking donate $22 to a veteran suicide nonprofit, the Mission 22 something. I'm sure there's a bunch of them out there that I don't know of. I know. Yeah, there's a ton of nonprofits. It's there's a ton of like, things that can be done. Well, and then it's, you know, I, I had one that happened and it was like, oh, you, that was your boy. You should have known he was going to do it. And I'm like, one of your friends mm-hmm. and somebody said you should have known yeah one of his family members was like well you should have known and you should have seen the signs you talk to him every day and it's like he didn't show anything you know they yeah they say hey there's these signs where they start selling all their stuff or they you know start isolating people or giving stuff away or saying weird things um but you know my experience i'm sure a lot of guys in the community would would say this is um you know a lot of the guys that are going to do it, their mind is already made up and there is no sign because they don't want help. Like it's whatever it's, and it sucks on our end, you know, still like having to kind of pick it up is like, well, fuck, why didn't I know he was hurting like that? And it's, but it's like at the point, you know, when, when they're usually at that point, it's, they're, they're already set on it. Their mind's already made up. They're, already like they know when they're going to do it how they're going to do it where you know like there's no helping them right and And that's the unfortunate part what I hear you saying is a better way that could maybe reach out is instead of filming yourself doing 22 something don't waste the time filming yourself just go call somebody yeah absolutely talk to them go to the VA and talk to them how are you doing and like Maybe that's just what they need. Yeah, because, well, I think what happens to a lot, like, dude, I went through it for a long time. You know, I've been there. Gun in my mouth. Um, How many times? Oh, that's probably nice. like three, four. Yeah. I mean, just numerous. But I came out and I was just real bad. Alcohol. What, what and stopped you? The first time was right when I got out. And I was just like, fuck, I'm dumb. And then, like, this is it. I don't want to live my life in a hospital in a bed. I finally got to go home to, like, while well, I was still in the Army to go shower and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, all right, cool. Like, this is my chance to do it. Nobody's here with me. Like, fuck this. And then my mom called. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, well, so she sent, Did she send you a video of her doing 22 push-ups? No. No, that didn't stop you? No. She, she uh, yeah, she called, and she was like, Hey, how are you feeling? What are you doing? And it's and I think what happens is a lot of guys just get so they get so lonely. Like you feel like you've lost oh, purpose. God. Oh, dude, you yeah. get out and you're like, fuck! I was helping people. I was doing good. And like with me, and I'm sure the same as you. It's like, wow, I fucking worked my ass off to get where I'm at. You know, I'm going to schools continuously. Rass range school, always trying to continuously better myself, one up myself every time. And so then it's like you get there and like you're in your prime, feel like you're doing good, and then done yeah something unexpected for me and then it's like you have no say in it and then you get two weeks yeah go fuck yourself you're out have fun and then it's like well then you realize like then you know no one talks to you and you're away you know from back home really like mom and dad the occasional whatever but but then it's like you realize all your friends are in the military and then you get out and you don't see them every day so they stop talking and then you're just kind of isolated by yourself for a long time and then you know it's like oh fuck this sucks and then you're by yourself feel like you've lost your sense of purpose uh like everything you worked for is just gone uh you know just that sense of like you're worthless you know emptiness hopelessness 
you just they're like there's no light at the end of the tunnel and so yeah I think you know a lot of guys go through that and then they're like you know like I've got buddies with prosthetics and stuff and they go through and it's they um you know they get their 100% and they're married have kids whatever so like 4 grand a month 3500 whatever it is and then for prosthetics they get all these extra you know um compensation and those type of things and it's like well I can never work again and then they get divorced and they still have that money because all that shit they can't go after you for alimony or any of that you know it's they can't tax for child support they can't do anything with it so you know they kind of like go in that sense and you know the wife doesn't understand why he's different so she leaves and takes the kids and you know it's a big it's a tall order to fill and I'm going to start with anyone who joins and extend that further to people that prepare themselves or at least accept the prospect of going into combat I mean it's a very different deal than somebody who with all due respect because everyone counts is going to work maintenance on a helicopter and I worked maintenance on a helicopter I wasn't flying the fucking thing I wasn't dropping dudes off in a landing zone you know it's I've seen the gradations and I've seen the difference from fleet versus special forces and you know I don't really care for the special moniker I wish they'd call it something else like alternative forces well it's like quiet nobody knows about it anyways exactly but but the difference the difference in like what it takes out of you so if you look at these VA studies and what little bit I've seen in them and read them myself you can start controlling for different factors gender age job in the military that number then outstrips 22 by a long shot it could be 30s and 40s even yeah but the thing is too that you have those fleet mechanics or whatever you know all these other jobs that will go out and tell people like oh yeah it's cool we sat there and played video games and went to the gym five times and went to the DFAC and it's like okay cool I'll be a ranger and have the title and go play video games and it's like yeah no that's not how that yeah, works for you guys, like yeah. Right. You're not going to be a ranger. Like, yeah, sure, there's going to be downtime, but you're not going to be sitting there playing video games, never going outside of the wire every day, you know? That's not – there might be days where you're slow. It depends on where you're at, but – It all depends, but there's always that – There's it, always high-value targets. At any moment, like, something – that's what happened yeah. with us. Is like we knew something was coming, and then when it hits, and then when it hits after, and then after that, it's like you don't see it coming. It's no, There's no romantic music. There's no Tom Hanks. There's no – Matt Damon, you know, there's yeah, nothing like cool about it. It's weird. It's confusing. It happens really quick. Like I could barely remember fucking 20 minutes of what happened to us. Like if I look back over the hours that this thing went down, I remember just like wave top stuff. I can't remember anything else. But I remember the feeling of knowing we were going back in and that my likelihood of dying was almost 100%. Like I was like, I'm going to die today. Like I just kind of accepted it. And for me, that that changed things, and it's hard to put into words. So now you fast forward to it's 2017 or 18 or whatever it is. We're out. Now what the hell do I do? Like I had a fuck ton of problems that came from that, dude. I I was never a a drinker or anything. I did not care. I did too, and I don't know what even resorted to it. Like my dad was never an alcoholic growing up. Like my dad was like no alcohol in the house. Um, My mom, same way, never – never really drank like we'd go out to the desert and you know my godfather you know they'd have beer but it wasn't you know like my it's my dad was never a heavy drinker my dad was you know blue collar worked his ass off um you know i had a lot of lot of fucking anger to my dad for a long time just because i never realized that it was like oh cool it's my senior football game and my dad's not here like this is the last season and he's not here 
never did any games, and it's like, well, fuck, he's got to work. He's got to take side jobs. He's got to work overtime so me and my brothers can eat and take 35-minute long showers at 16 and, <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know? The sweet life. Yeah, play football and play baseball and track and wrestle and cross country. and Isn't it amazing when you go from... Buying all of us cars and insurance and a mortgage and yeah. feeding all these growing boys, you know? Right. And I like my best friend Kyler, I was talking about, he was there a lot, you know? He, he came from a real rough area. His parents, I think his mom was, his mom was like blind and his dad was deaf and his dad worked his dad was a big guy I mean he, he, was, he was deaf but he worked um, with I don't know if you'd say an asylum but mentally crazy people whatever okay yeah and then I had another friend another real good friend growing up uh, my buddy Nick so like kind of sum him up um, he lived in like Lake Elsinore for a while his mom died from breast cancer in eighth, when he was in like 7th or 8th grade his dad was out sleeping with other women while his mom was in the hospital dying right and so Nick would go there, do his homework with his mom. His mom finally dies. Uh, one of the girls that is, he's been coming home to that his mom or his dad's been, you know, sleeping with and doing whatever. <clears throat> um, ends up marrying her, like, r- immediately after his mom dies. And then they moved to a new town. So Nick resented his dad a lot and just didn't want to be there. So he'd come over, and it was like my dad was always paying, you know, dinner and showers for all of us. And, yeah. Um, you know, we all turned out all right. Nick wanted to be in the Marines. But I don't know. I haven't talked to a guy in years. I think he got real bad in drugs and then got a domestic yeah. violence because he beat the shit out of his dad in high school. And right, right. Just, I mean, and it's, you know, is, is he necessarily to blame? You know, high school kid going through and his dad's sitting there. He has to come home to this woman that his mom was. Yeah, sure. Like, everyone's you know, got their own shit. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, like, fuck, he got a domestic violence charge for beating the shit out of his dad. And it's like, no, he's got that forever. Um,. Mm. You know, so then the Marines were like, no, we're not going to take you. And then, you know, they were like, oh, we'll work with you because he got it, somehow got it off his record or reduced or whatever. His dad went down and, I don't know, vouched for him. Uh, but like I said, my dad was always there and taking care of us. So my dad was never there and I had a lot of resentment. And then I went in the Army and my dad had his accident. And I was like, fuck, it's too late to say, you know, because his accident happened in like Thanksgiving of 2016. Just got in a bad accident, T-boned. Um, it, it ruined him. So, um, and now he can never work again, but, you know, he's getting screwed. I mean, he's getting something now from Social Security, but... Yeah. Well, how do you... So, in light of everything you've been through, and I know we're kind of talking about the, the number 22 and and what you'd like to see people do. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do to help with that? Oh, dude, before COVID, I'd be down there at the VA all the time. I would, okay. you know, they would... So, my buddy's patient liaison, and I've got another one that does benefits. You know, he unfortunately has one computer and he can't let everybody on that computer. You know, it's like, hey, you got to go find a computer and do this. And so I'd sit right out. They've got a little waiting area and I would sit out there and, and uh, I'd go, you need help with benefits? And he's like, yeah. All right, cool. And we'd go bring my little laptop. So you'd bring a laptop to the VA and, and help them help submit their claim on e-benefits. These World War II guys. Wow. Uh, Korean, Korean War guys, uh, Vietnam. And then I've just, a lot of guys, Rory and stuff like that that I'm trying to help you know, there are younger guys that just don't know what they're entitled to. Oh, I've been out this long, so I can't get this. And it's, you can, I mean, there's guys fucking Vietnam. And my whole thing with that guy is like, 
they're gonna fucking live. They've got cancer in Agent Orange. They're 80, 90 years old. Like, what are you, yeah. is it gonna fucking kill you to pay them an extra $1,000 a month for the next five years? Right. Well, there was a struggle with, I think it was Gulf War Syndrome. Like, weren't they weren't even looking to call it that. Because if they called it that, then they'd have to, people would be able to put in for it, and then the VA would have to pay for it. It's actually a very serious deal that affects a lot of people that were in the Gulf War. And the VA is, like, they're still struggling to get the VA to recognize it. Mm-hmm. So that is an ongoing. Everyone's got their ongoing struggle, dude. Honestly, my my interaction with the VA was very quick, very easy, very simple. But I know mine's not the same story. Everybody no, else. No, mine. My, so mine fairly like right after I was homeless for a while. I moved back out to California, and my dad was all pissed about it. And it's part of it's his accident, so he doesn't. Yeah, no get it. So I move out there, and my uncle, um, he's been a big part of the VA. He's like head of the two in California. Like he's. He works from home, but he's right below. He doesn't want the responsibility of the person that sits in the chair, but he's right below that. And so he gets me in, like, right away. I go there, and there's, like, people in the waiting room. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah, 15 man. guys out there. And Uncle Shane calls downstairs. Hey, my nephew's out there. Uh, he's like, what's your ticket number? They go out there, call me. All these people get pissed off. They pull me back right away. They take me to zero to 50% within probably three to four months. Um, PTSD, TBI. And then... Uh, we just keep going from there. And that was only 50? That's insane to me. So, the, yeah, but then they, like, there's stupid shit out there. And that's what I'm trying to tell Roy and all these guys is, you know, it's, you know, you, you I've got a lot of guys with TV that I try to help. And it's like, they'll get you, like, mine is literally TBI. And then there's another one for uh, uh, residuals of TBI. Okay. An aftermath of TBI. Like, it's certain shit that you have to know. And it's like yeah. PTSD. You put that in, but you can put depression, anxiety, adjustment disorder. And I'd be real careful on that shit. Just, you know, the red flag laws and all yeah. that well, stuff. Well, also, like, in the money they award you, they may send to a fiduciary, you know, if you're not. Yeah. If, if they, they don't think say, you're qualified to mm-hmm. handle your own money. And that's reversible, too. But, you know, just be careful. Like, if you have some issues and you've been some stuff. I mean, just write honestly about it. You know, when they ask you questions, yeah. just tell them. Like, if you got substance issues, be honest about it. Which, comorbid, when you're talking about PTSD, when you're talking about trauma, 40-60% of people that experience that also experience a comorbid substance use disorder. Yeah. Right? It's just how we cope with shit. Like I said, I would, went from not even drinking really at all to putting a needle in my arm. Like, that was not part of the plan. It wasn't, okay, become a SEAL and then do really well and then figure out a way to fuck it up. It was. I had shit going on, and it's like as soon as I started. But what was yours? Was yours just leaving the team and getting no, out of the navy? Dude, I was or was it that, before that? It was before that. It was, dude. Honestly, it was everything you said. It was the loneliness. Um, there was a lot of self. Well, you were still active. I was still active. Yeah, and it was drinking led Divorced. to poor decision drinking. Yeah, marriage dissolved. And I, I, I had a package to go SEAL Team 6, and it just everything was kind of boring in the teams to me. Like, it wasn't the excitement I thought it would be. I was a hard charger. I just kept going, 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 kind of like what you did. It, one thing was enough. You got to go to the next, to the next, to the next. And somewhere along the way, um, through my wife leaving and wanting to have a good time, I just made some decisions under the influence of alcohol that led me down a path I'd never intended to go down. And then got hooked on it. And 100% hooked. And zero tolerance enables keeping a secret if, yeah. you, if you've gotten down that direction. It's like I want to be honest and get help, but I know for a fact that that will get me kicked out. So I don't know what to do. And it took a moment of clarity, knowing I was getting somebody killed before I asked for help and I got kicked out. 
So I got a question for you. I know we're on the 22 topic, and I saw, yeah. I know this is, this is your your thing, <laughs> but I saw you're doing a fundraiser, Yeah. and is that for veteran suicide, where you're swimming and the pull-ups? So, and- no, it's uh, it's the GI Go Fund. I think it's, well, for one, two things first. It is a remembrance, obviously, for 9-11. It's taking place around New York City. It starts in New Jersey. I figured swimming. And it's also the anniversary of Extortion 17. That right. was where I yeah. went to go rescue Marcus. Uh, no, that wasn't Marcus. That was they had a Ranger regiment that went in, and then uh, one of the squadrons was their QRF, and they got shot. They got hit by an RPG, and it killed a lot yeah, of guys. That was the Marcus Luttrell thing where that. No, the so that was Red Wings. Right, that was Red Wings. A similar concept, right? A lot uh-huh. of people dying, going the QRF getting hit by an RPG, um, but a little bit later than that, a little bit after that one. And then the the money I'm representing, Climb for, and all the money is going to go to the GI Go Fund. I think it helps uh, homeless veterans in the immediate area of New York and New Jersey, and I think it also goes to Gold Star families too, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to throw myself in the water, <laughs> which I really don't. So I'm swimming. I know now. seals. You guys don't swim. Yeah, right? we don't like the water. I, yeah. I don't like the water. I'll be honest with you. It was yeah. a necessary evil. Um, but I mean, in terms of purpose, and that was like being EOD too. I don't like wearing the bomb suit. It's just. Hey man, but you gotta do. What, you gotta do. <laughs> what gives you purpose now? So like, let's let's, and we'll have you back on. And I'm really glad you you're willing to tell your story. Um, but we're kind of at the sweet spot for now. So, yeah. what what gives you purpose now? What keeps you going? Like, do you still go to the VA? Like, what do you want to do? Yeah, man, everything kind of turned around for me pretty quick. Um, I, dude, I came home one day from the VA. I had a, a real good therapist in there, uh, Steve Carlton. He was fucking awesome and he he's no longer there um he's out there in the streets like trying to get homeless veterans or on drugs and shit and help rehabilitate them in his own business now um which is cool but it took me a long time to talk to him i probably talked to him for three months we'd go in there sit there he'd be like are you gonna talk and i was like I, I have nothing to say like i don't want to talk about it he'd be like all right cool do you mind if i do some work and I'm like i don't give a shit like i'm just I'm here because they told me to come and uh so anyways, long story short, finally three months, open up to him, super cool, gets me on the right track. Well, then it's like we're having the same conversation every every week for the next six, seven months um, where it's, well, have you done anything? Have you tried to get a job? Have you quit drinking? I'm like, no. And it was always like the excuse that I would always blame it on my K. Well, yeah, he's fucking gone and I feel guilty living life without him, like survivor's guilt and all this. And your all best my- friend? Mm-hmm. Is that the one you're Joey, friend? yeah. And, uh, you know, I just had all these, oh, well, you know, you know, another guy committed suicide and, um, yeah, I just fucking feel bad. I didn't get to reach out to him or, or do anything. And it was like, it was always blaming us. So it was always some fucking excuse of why I wouldn't do it. And then finally, like, he's like, well, you know, if we're going to come through and have the same conversation every week, there's no point in you fucking coming anymore. And I was like, well, fuck, you're right. So I went home that day, um. I had a picture of Joey. I had it. I've got a whole bunch of them around here. Oh, right here. Here he is. Let me see. So, you know, all these are him. Well, uh, upper left, that's him. That's him. That was at his funeral. That was him at the range day. Uh, that's his headstone. And that's my younger brother. Whatever, but... Um, yeah, so... I was, It was just always fucking one excuse after the other, after the other, after the other. So I went home day, looked at that. I had a, a bunch of the pictures of them now are on my toolbox at work. But um, I came over there and I like looked and just fucking broke down. I was like, fuck, I'm blaming him for everything. Like, this is, fuck, if he was here, like, he'd be pissed. 
and uh yeah that was it like that was my wake up I was like fuck I'm gonna I have to live for him like I gotta do something and shortly after that I I was like what am I gonna do I don't know what to do and then it hit me like one day like my dad had a 6.0 power stroke which is like the shittiest engine Ford's ever built <laughs> like just so many issues but some guys I work with fucking love them like yeah they're great trucks and I'm like yeah alright so I'm like a woman off well, you're a mechanic. fucking yeah, Colfax so really... is fucking great too there it just go. depends on who you are yeah and, um, you know, so we, I go down there and I'm like, had worked on my dad's truck and just always working on quads, dirt bikes with him growing up and did it with my grandpa. He was a mechanic for 40 something years for Mopar. And then that's the reason I got the Challenger instead of a Mustang. Okay. <laughs> Colin made sure to make a point of that. Yeah. I mean, just, way. just look, He's like, I, mean, I just want to let you know. The yeah. Look at the it, wall it says Challenger you. all over the place. Well, at least over your well, head. I don't know. That one. That one says Chad. <laughs> but everything else says Ford. So you've been a mechanic for how long now? Uh, two years. Okay. Or no, well, yeah. One. One and a half. So I'm coming up, yeah. So then I uh, basically I went, uh, after that whole conversation, I was like, fuck, I'm going to quit drinking heavy. Uh, went to the gym, sat in the sauna, got myself all cleaned out. Went to Alpha Elite Performance, another, it's a Green Beret-owned uh, cool. supplement company. Got some detox shit, flushed everything out. Um, get healthy start applying for jobs I can pass a drug test I'm not going to go in there fucking start sweating and smell like alcohol uh, go to Ford and I was like well you know if, this is what I had to do I was like did it with grandpa did it with dad um, and then you know being EOD you've got to be somewhat fucking mechanically wired you, it's like you have it or you don't so I go in there and I'm like I tell him he's like well do you have any experience I'm like no I tell him and he's like alright cool so we're going to start you out in quick lane you're just going to be doing oil changes brakes basic whatever for six months and I'm like alright cool well then six months comes and he's over here like he worked at BMW prior the service manager and he's like bringing all of his buddies in and passing promotions left and right making guys go flat rate giving guys apprenticeships and I was like alright this is bullshit so I stay there till December of last year I'm done fuck this whatever so then I'm like well I'm not you know this is what I want to do I'm busy staying busy you know it's something that comes somewhat natural and you know it's my thing. So then I, I started applying, go to Phil Long, and that's where I'm at now. Started there, went in right away, uh, got an apprenticeship, and I was like, oh, I had wanted to do diesel. Like, that's all I wanted to do, you know. Diesel pays more and everything. Parts are bigger, heavier, longer time on some of the jobs. So then we have a guy, our foreman has a hernia. So like, all right, cool, you're going to go work with him. We're pulling you up here to main shop because they had started me in quick lane again, but I was there for like two, three weeks maybe go up there main shop guy has a hernia then he's out with surgery and then i go across the street to our our medium duty which is cool it's all diesel so it's like tow trucks and moving trucks and ambulances and we do everything over there so it's all gas and diesel because ford you can i want to get my senior master tech by the time i'm 30 so ford says it takes about five years so you got to do a whole bunch of stars training online and then you got to go do classroom portions but then it's weird because you have to do an apprenticeship so, like, I went to school on my GI Bill while I was at Larry H. And then, like, all right, cool, now I have the certificate. Now I can just go on my own. Mm. But Ford requires an apprenticeship. So I could, like, literally go over there and go on my own right now and make, you know, 33 an hour and then just flag my own hours. That's basically where you get paid per job. Ford says, okay, you're going to replace an engine. It should 22 hours. So whether you do it in 22 hours... 27 hours, five hours, whatever, that's you get paid 22 hours no matter what. So you can flag a lot of hours doing that. Um, and then, but I was like, well, 
doesn't make sense right now that I'm going to go from 33 and then have to apprentice before I get my master tech and then go to 17 an hour. So I took my loss on that and just started, became an apprentice now mm. at 18 an hour. And then, uh, yeah. And hopefully Is a that, year, do you year like that? Is that satisfying? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like jujitsu. Like you can learn from anybody. I don't think you can, I think somebody could teach Connor, you know, or any black belt probably then there's something white belt, blue belt or whatever you can teach anybody, can teach anybody, anything, I think. So yeah, it's cool learning all the gas engines because all I'd ever done really before was diesel. Mm. So now I'm learning gas and all the stupid ass hybrid that's coming out and electric and the Mustang Machis and all that. Yeah. So yeah, just learning that and then get that done. A year, year and a half. We're getting ready to buy a house. Uh, nice. She's she's definitely a big thing that keeps me going. Getting remarried and it's like all right now I gotta you know. Got somebody to support, somebody that loves me, somebody that cares, go. somebody to come home to, somebody that supports everything I do. So we definitely got to pick back up with that next time we talk. Yeah, yeah. Picking she's back up with like yeah. support and what matters when you're doing the transition. Just living life, man. Because now it's about we did this cool thing, we checked these boxes, we went through this rough transition. Now it's like, how do we move forward? And that'll be yeah, dude. The it's next simple shit. Like it's like, yeah. let's go to a Rockies game. We can go to a Broncos game. Like, yeah, I don't have yeah. to ask permission. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I appreciate you coming on. I'm really glad you're alive, and I'm glad we met. There's always one question I ask everyone at the end: If you can go back in time and tell yourself at any point in life, what would you say? What advice would you give? Ooh, I don't know. I would just, you know, my big thing is don't just don't give up until you get what you want don't don't accept no for an answer because like i said oh you're not gonna be a ranger you're you're not big enough not fast enough not strong enough you don't have what it takes you don't have the mindset and okay cool pass that all right cool and i'm on a sniper school well you got lucky with ranger but you're not going to do this you know you're you you know that's the select few and then it's like okay i did that fucking now what you want fucking anything else you want to tell me i can't do like just I mean don't let anybody put limitations on you don't compete with anybody compete with yourself I mean that's all you know and it's like oh okay well you got lucky you won't make it through EOD or 180 pounds running in a bomb suit I'm like okay fucking cool chicks can go EOD and there's I think the fastest person that's ever ran that PT test in the bomb suit is a female and she was like a second lieutenant fucking smoke like embarrass these dudes Gangster. all of us yeah just savage yeah she ran it in like 14 and a half minutes oh my god 87 pounds Eglin Air Force Base in the middle of summer and this chick's like 120 pounds like, nice man good good on her yeah so, good deal yeah it's, shows these dudes what's up yeah like just don't let anybody tell you no that you can't do something I love yeah. it man good deal so, alright we'll stop it there and dude thanks again for coming on yeah no worries man and that'll wrap up another episode of the Climb Forward Podcast thank you very much for listening feel free to visit us at www dot climb four dot org that is www.climb dash the number four dot org from there you can shop you can donate you can apply for gear or you can just learn about the climb four team take care